Hello and welcome to the latest edition of Football Talk from the Yorkshire Post, where we will be discussing some of the latest talking points from the world of football with members of our football writing team. On this week's episode, we're joined by Chief Football Writer for the Yorkshire Post, Stuart Rayner, and Football Writer for the Yorkshire Post, Leon Wobshall, to discuss all of the latest developments affecting our local clubs. Don't forget, you can keep up to date with all the football news across Yorkshire and beyond by logging onto our website at www.yorkshirepost.co.uk forward slash sport, as well as checking out our various Twitter feeds, the main one being at YP Sport. If you search for Yorkshire Post Sport, Yorkshire Post Football, or even Sheffield Sport on Facebook, you can find us there as well. If you have any questions for our writers, you can get in touch using those various Twitter or Facebook pages, or email us directly with the subject matter as footballtalkpodcast at yp.sport at jpimedia.co.uk. Yorkshirepost.co.uk As mentioned earlier in the intro, uh, this week we're joined by Chief Football Writer for the Yorkshire Post, uh, Stuart Rayner, and Football Writer for the Yorkshire Post, Leon Wobshall. Good morning, guys. Morning. So uh, this week we're going to be uh, reviewing uh, the weekend's games and the latest activity in the transfer market. Um, kicking it off with Leeds United, um, the Whites were forced to field a team missing many regulars and gave a very strong West Ham team a close game. Uh, after conceding a questionable first half goal, Leeds gave everything in the second half, only to concede again in the last minute. Although any defeat is unwanted, um, it might enable Marcelo Bielsa to concentrate on getting players fit again uh, for the rest of the season, which ironically <laughs> begins against West Ham next week, uh, next weekend. Um, do, do you think that's um, a fair assessment, Stuart? I think um, I think when you're in the sort of position leads are in, when you're you're just scrabbling around a bit for confidence, I think um, I think a win would do more good. Than, than dropping out of the FA Cup. Having said that, as you say, they, they did at least put up a good performance, so they can they can take a bit of confidence from that. So, yeah, I, I don't think it's really moved moved things on one way or the other. Really, I, I think the only um, from a football perspective, I think the only slightly concerning aspect about the last few days really uh, has been the news that as we speak, we're expecting Cody Drummond to go out alone um, to Cardiff City and. and Given that that cup tie showed how depleted their resources are already, um, that seems to me a bit of a strange decision on uh, on Leeds's part to 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 weaken themselves further, at least in the short term. I don't know what you think about that, Leon. Yeah, I mean, it's, it, you think it'd be a little little bit strange in the, in the fact that they've not really had too much continuity of of selection, and these are obviously promising young player. Come on the other day, and you think you'd be sort of err on the side of caution and be sort of pragmatic, really, unless unless they're going to bring one or two, one or two in. Who knows? I mean, there's some reports that they're close to the FFP as well, isn't there? But yeah, it seems a little bit surprising they're sort of assimilating somebody into the into the first team situation, and then and then um, you know sanctioning his his loan out, especially a, you know a part of the season where. It's very precariously balanced, isn't it? There's some huge games coming up. So yeah, I, I agree with you. It would be. Um, uh, it, it doesn't um, particularly strike of of great sense, but um, you know, I'm, I'm sure as ever, Bielsa will, will have his reasons, won't he? Hmm. Yeah, I mean, I'm sure it'll be beneficial for the player himself. It just seems like a very precarious situation with with the injuries. I mean, hmm. they've only got one 
one out and out right back in that squad. And and Luke Hayling's been playing centre back for most of the time to, to fill in for problems elsewhere, which kind of shows shows the way the the Leeds squad is. I mean, Bielsa's always you know in in many aspects of how he runs Leeds, he's a bit of a risk taker. And uh, and this just seems to me like an, a, another risk. So. Um, you know, fair enough. He's, he's got where he is by taking risks, but it does make life a bit uncomfortable. I think if you're a Leeds fan, looking at the looking at the the, the players they've got available, um, they, they really need some uh, some better news on the injury front in the in the weeks to come. Hmm. Yeah, I mean, if they can get Bamford and Rodrigo back, there's some reports, isn't there, that they could be around um, for the weekend, and that that would be a terrific boost. I just think it's in, in that continuity of selection, isn't it, with, with Leeds? It's you know, it seems like most games is like two, three, you know, sometimes four changes, and you know, it's just such a, a critical sort of point of the season. You wouldn't think you'd, you'd make, um, you know, you'd, you'd just try and keep any players who are involved, you know, at the club to prepare for sort of continuities, really. But yeah, critical part of the season, and um, you know, if Leeds could get a get a draw on on Sunday, never mind a win. I think it'd be a hell of a result. Mm. Yeah, I mean, I, I thought it was a surprise to, to choose to leave three senior players on the bench and, and give some young lads their their chance. I mean, it's it's an interesting one, but Bielsa's sort of one of the great footballing romantics and, you know, he was talking before the game about how, you know, how important the cup was and all this sort of thing, but saying that, you know, managers are almost forced into these decisions at the moment by the, by the number of games. Um, I mean, it, I think it is something that, that probably needs looking at in the in the longer term. Although I'm, I'm, I'm no I'm no optimism that it'll change, but it it does seem it does seem a bit odd and a bit frustrating that you know Bielsa's had four FA Cup games now and lost them all. And and you do feel that if a team like Leeds really wanted to go for it with a with a bit of luck, which admittedly they're not having at the moment, but with a, with a bit of luck in the later part of the season, they could give the FA Cup a real go. And um, you just you just wonder sometimes if if clubs just overlook what even a, even a run to a semi final would do for the for the morale of a, fo- a fan base and what it would what it would mean to a club uh, mm-hmm. to achieve something like that. Whereas so often we see clubs just write off you know both the cup competitions uh, for sort of more pra- pragmatic reasons of just looking after the, the league form. It's it's a difficult balance. Obviously, we're talking as people who don't have to sort of um, pick up the consequences if they get the balance wrong. But I, I do wish sometimes that all the clubs would just um, put a bit more focus on the cups at times. Mm. Yeah. And um, on that subject, it actually leads into um, a little bit about the next uh, topic, which is um, Barnsley. Um, after having scored just 16 goals in the league and cup matches this season, uh, Barnsley scored five against a resilient Barrow side that had to play 80 minutes of the 120 with only 10 men. Um, they will pocket £82,000 for reaching round four, uh, where they will face Huddersfield Town in a real Yorkshire derby. Um, a win is a win at the moment for Barnsley, but can they build on it back in the league, Stuart? Yeah, well, I mean, as you say, a win is a win. It is as Bargy's first win as coach, but you just feel that um, kind of typically of the way Barnsley are at the moment, they managed to achieve that win and still come out of it sort of feeling worse about themselves, mm. you know, because of the way they it was it was dragged out into extra time playing against conference opposition. Um, as Bargy was quite com- uh, 
quite uh, critical of his players afterwards. And I say, looking from afar, you can kind of see why they're just they're just feeling a bit of a mess at the moment. They feel like they well, I think I think we said in last week's podcast they just needed needed something to lift morale. Well, they, they still need something to lift morale. Really, you know, win, winning a game should have done that, but they, they managed to conspire to to even do that in a way that that doesn't doesn't really lift things and uh yeah you you just I, well i just worry for them at the moment I, they, they feel like they're stuck in a stuck in a bad rut and you don't see you know you don't see an obvious solution coming either in the in the transfer window or on the field no they probably didn't know whether to um laugh or cry really did they i mean it was it was a filling game a, a real good old-fashioned cup tie i was i was coming coming back um from burnley huddersfield and I had um, Radio Five on the radio, and it just seemed for a, for a spell every every sort of two minutes. It it was a case of in its back to Oakwell, and there was a goal. So yeah, I suppose any point in, in a storm, it is it's a spy's first victory. Um, he'll he'll take that, but obviously um, major caveats as well. You know, letting in um, four goals to a a League Two side who weren't on the best of form. You know, with ten men for large um, tranches of the game. Yeah, I I agree with Stuart. I mean, it, it's uh, it's it's just looking. The whole whole situation is is looking grim. There doesn't look to be too much uh, progress in terms of uh, bringing uh, bringing new players into you know potentially revive everything. I mean, it, it's it's a bit of a conundrum for the for the Barnsley hierarchy, isn't it? I suppose they've. You know, unless something miraculous happens, they're gonna, they're probably gonna be the club's gonna be relegated. But you, you just, you sort of like to think that, you know, even if that is the case, you can, even if you bring in some, you know, League One, League Two players, they can get some experience at this level, and um, hopefully prepare them for um, for a push at it again next next season. Because as it stands, I mean, there's there's obviously the the main Barnsley players and. You'd probably expect a couple of them to to go this month, and certainly quite a few in in the summer. There's there's varying levels of interest. I think the latest one's Callum Britton, isn't it? There's um, I think Swansea Stoke and Blackburn have been have been linked with him. You know, there'll be others who'll have interest, the likes of uh, Michelle Ellick and and Corley Woodrow. So you know, going forward, Barnsley get relegated. They're going to have to prepare without them, and there's going to have to be something underneath to uh, to come you know to come to the fore which happened the previous uh, time they got relegated but you just don't see that at the minute and um yeah it's looking it's looking re- you know really good. I, think, I think in terms of positives I'd say Carl Morris I mean he's, he had his, he was out for the first third of the season wasn't he with with a knee injury I think he's already the joint top scorer and he only came back in um was it mid to late November, wasn't it? Mm. So that's one one thing, and a, and a couple of uh, there was a few under twenty threes on the bench against Barrow, and a young lad called Joe Ackroyd made his debut. Um, there was another lad um, on the bench who scored quite a few goals at academy level. Um, David Bramangle, that I know that the sort of one or two were speaking a bit about. So yeah, a couple of comes of comfort there, but. Now, in terms of the, of the main course, um, nothing to really take. I would say Barnsley forward into into the you know a part of the season that's going to decide whether the you know if, if if they're going to have anything resembling some sort of fight back. They got Blackpool on Saturday, then they've got to go to Birmingham, haven't they? They've got a good record at Birmingham. 
in previous years. Having said that, but uh, yeah, still got it, got it all to do. And yeah, I mean, Braman scored a couple of goals for the under twenty threes in the week, and, and and I guess for, I guess for the sort of the way bars they operate to to work properly, they do need they do need young players to come through from the academy and just give them a bit of hope. I'm not I'm not sitting here saying throw in the kids as you, as, no, as you sometimes no. say you can you can do them a bit of damage, but if we, if we can just get odd, if the fans can just get odd, you know, glimpses of of what these young kids can do and just get a bit of optimism from that, that that will help. I just think it's a lack of. It's a lack of contingency, um, Stuart, isn't it? I think you know that. Exactly. I think most people are going to now realise. Let's be pragmatic. Barnsley, you know, they they're not nailed on to go down, but there's they're highly certain to go down. It's just that plan for what's going to happen next season, isn't it? I mean, I think everybody's pragmatic enough to know that you know the big the big players from last year. A lot of them will will be sold and they'll and they'll move on, whether it's this month or in in the summer. It's it's having a bit of foresight to plan for the, you know, for the next step, and it's, you know, as we've we've spoken about several times, it's League One's a, it's it's a tough league, isn't it? And a lot of teams are finding that out. It's, you know, this season is a worry, but going forward, you're looking at next season, aren't you? And um, there's not too much there at the minute, Barnsley wise, and you, you just, you know, the fans just want a little bit of of hope going in, in, into into next into next. Um, Season if if they go down, which looks like they will, and at the minute there is just isn't any, is there at, at the moment? That's the yeah. that's the galling that's the galling thing. Mm. Yeah, because I mean I mean relegation to that division costs you about eight million pounds, so you know like yeah. it or not, they're going to have to yeah. sell some of their best players. But it it just feels so miserable at the moment. I mean, it, you know, speaking now, that I think I think I had um, Barrow wrongly, wrongly marked down as a as a conference side there. They're actually bottom end yeah. too, but it, yeah. it, that's just kind of the way it felt. You know, everything just sort of feels feels like yeah. a worst case scenario at the moment and I say they they just they just need some glimmers of optimism you know so that even if they go down they can go down with a bit of hope mm. at, the, yeah. at the moment Absolutely. I say it, it just feels like Saturday was typical in that you know on the one hand there was something to actually cling to but on the other hand I say because of the nature of the win it just actually felt worse and, and yeah. we need to reverse that trend. Mm. And uh, now we turn our attention to the opponents in the next round of the FA Cup, uh, Huddersfield, uh, who were able to claim a 2-1 come-from-behind victory at the expense of Premier League side Burnley in the third round of the FA Cup, with goals from Josh Caroma and uh, Matty Pearson. Um, uh, Leon, you were at the game. Um, what, what did you make of their performance, and how much of a boost will this be for Corbran and the team ahead of their game against Swansea City? Yeah, it was a... It was a... A, a, a funny sort of game initially. I mean, there obviously a fair bit had been made about um, the issues at Burnley. I think they only had uh, fourteen or fifteen training on on um, on the Friday. Obviously, Sean Dyche was away with COVID, and I think Ian Ian well revealed afterwards that I think six or seven in, you know missed missed the game through positive tests. But it was still a fairly experienced senior Burnley side who, you know, who had a good chance of getting the job done. There was, you know, look at the back line, there was Ben Mee, Tarkowski, Matt Loughton, Phil Bardsley, um, people like Brown, Brownhill and um, and Dale Stevens in midfield. Chris, Chris Wood, who's ironically obviously on his, um, on his way to Newcastle up front, Jay Rodriguez. So, it was enough to get the job done and, um, 
And in the first half, it was a slow start from Burnley, but then they grew into it a little bit. Huddersfield did some okay things without being really convincing in the um, in the final third. But you know, obviously, Burnley got the lead. But the second half, they just looked such a. I mean, I never did the. Um, obviously, Stewart did the the Leeds Burnley game, and by all accounts, Burnley weren't too much um, um, cop there. But they looked really an old and and leggy side in the second half, and. Um, it must be fair to Huddersfield, they've made seven changes and um, they had some big hitters on the bench and you know, the, 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 it was a dominant second half and it just fell so flat at Burnley, even though they were winning, there was no atmosphere from the home supporters. Everything came from the Huddersfield end and yeah, the knocks on the door and then uh, obviously Sober Thomas came on and it's been great to see him get back into uh, into his early season form. There was, you know, a month or so ago, it wasn't, he had a bit of a uh, a bump in the road, if you like, in terms of his form, and um, you know he's he's come back like like the good player he is and the good good professional, and he's come back with a with a great response. He, you know he set up both goals on on Saturday um, just before the the equaliser. Brilliant cross, uh, first time cross that Danny Ward just missed, and um, yeah, he's ready. He looks like he's got his his radar fully operational again. And Lewis O'Brien came on, um, Danny Ward came on, and yeah, it was obviously the winner came late, but thoroughly deserved, you know, victory. Um, you could see the the, the, the togetherness of, of, of the team, and obviously we touched on the quality of Thomas. And you know, they had one or two issues in the game. Obviously, Ryan Schofield came off, um, and the young Australian lad came on for a debut. Debut he probably wasn't um, wasn't expecting one or two making the first starts for the club. Uh, Josh Ruffles and um, John Russell in midfield so it just all adds to the the sort of feel good factor there I think what there's seven unbeaten now and you know you talk about sides who you know where a, a cup run would sit well with them and Huddersfield have got to be one haven't they they're in a good position in, in the um, in the league better than what most people would have expected at the at the start of the season they've had a few seasons where they've Obviously, where you know relegation staying up, whether it's in the Premiership or or this uh, the Championship's been the main objective. But you know they don't have to worry about any of that this season. They can have a bit of fun towards the top end, and, and you know you can bring in a, a cup run as well. And there was all the talk about 100 years ago the start off at Burnley got to the got to the uh, final and won it, didn't they? And in 72, 50 years ago they all, they also started off at Burnley as well. So a nice little bit of nostalgia, and it was. You know, a fine, a fine win against a struggling Premier League side, but all the same, they've come from behind and uh, and, and got a win. And it's terrific to see Josh Caroma score as well. He'd not scored since I think it was mid September, so psychologically that's good. And yeah, it's uh, I mean, it's not the most glamorous uh, draw, is it? Um, uh, Barnsley at home, but it does at least it guarantees that uh, you know at least one Yorkshire side will be through to the uh, to the last. Uh, uh, 16 so um yeah well, well done Huddersfield and it's there's there's a nice story being written there at the minute mm. yeah they, they just they just feel almost the opposite of what we're talking about in, you know with Barnsley there's, there's little there's little problems you can you can pick at you know Schofield is a bit of a concern I think I think they could probably probably do with bringing in a backup goalkeeper you know that they, they also had put a couple of kids in but they you know they they sort of flourished in that in that situation, they made seven changes, but you know, amongst those changes, they had 
Pippa back from injury, which is a you know a big uh, a big bonus for him. I think Jordan Rhodes. It was only his second start since he'd come back, and Jonathan Hogfit again. So yeah, everything everything seems to be working in a in a in a positive way for them. And um, you know, particularly particularly with with Pippa coming back and and, and Sauber Thomas's form, there's going to be a few few difficult. Um, Selection decisions coming around the corner for Carlos Carbron, but the sort of um, the sort of positive, difficult decisions that that you want as a coach. I think uh, I think everything is looking very rosy for them right now. Hmm. They could just deal with Rhodes getting a goal, Stuart. That's um, that's one. That's if you so sort true. of if you sort of talking about little not hmm. negatives as such, but things to to sort of you know tick off. Obviously, you know, like you say, it was great to see Jonathan Hogg back. He did look a little bit rusty, but he'll you know he's he's good top professional he'll, he'll be fine but you just sense for, for Rhodes' confidence he's he obviously had his difficulty at, at, uh, at Sheffield Wednesday and uh, you know as he, he was obviously started the game was substituted and you could see you know a weight off, off the mind of Karoma when he scored and you know if, if you're having a t- you know a, a tick of things in the next few weeks you, you really hope that Jordan can find the net um, somewhere because you know, all strikers thrive on goals, and um, he certainly does. Yeah, and and Fraser Campbell yet to score this yeah. season as well. But I say it's not it's not that these problems don't exist, but they've just got this confidence that they're that they're yeah. riding it at the moment. I say whereas at whereas at Barnsley maybe Leeds as well, yeah. they're, they're sort of becoming magnified and becoming real problems. Whereas you know any any club in form and confidence is able to to shrug some of these things off and uh, and, not, yeah. and almost push them under the carpet. Hmm. Na- nicer problems, aren't they? Really, if, if that sort of exactly. Sense. Yeah. And um, next on our radar is Hull City, who, after scoring in the first minute against a full-strength Everton team, um, a brave and battling Hull side uh, finally succumbed to an extra time winner to lose a pulsating game 3-2. Now, Grant McCann praised his team's spirit after the game, and in spite of missing out on a significant payday from a replay at Goodison as a result of the new rules, will the new owner, who who was there at the game, um, be encouraged by what you saw, Stuart? Yes, I think I think he will. I, I think he should be on on every level. Really, you know, it was a it was a gutsy performance by the team. I think there was a there was a spell, you know, between Everton's first and second goal where, I, personally, I just worried that Hull were going to go under because Everton, having not been in the game until they scored, was suddenly all over them, and you you know, you thought could be a problem here. But they, they showed character, they showed a bit of tactical house, they made some good substitutions to get back into it. You know, it was the biggest crowd we'd seen there for, for two years and there was a good good atmosphere. I mean, it has to be said there were a couple of incidents of people throwing things on the pitch, which are obviously not good at all. But but generally, you know, you could see the mood was lifted by the uh, by Elikali's presence in the in the stands. Um, it, it was it was generally generally a really positive night. I think I think the only slightly disconcerting thing um, before and after the game, just Grant McCann making it very clear that he hadn't had any discussions with with the new owner. There were no discussions planned, but that he was still ploughing ahead with his own transfer policy. So it, it, it feels well. While we're in this limbo, as though there's almost two transfer policies going on at Hull, you know, McCann's working within an embargo, trying to bring in probably British-based players who he, who he knows well, and Nikali working without an embargo, trying to attract big 
big uh, continental names to the to the club, and that that you know cross purposes isn't going to serve them well. But hopefully, um, this takeover it, it feels like a taxi just around the corner. But hopefully, this takeover will come soon, and that that uncertainty can be put to bed because. As I say, Saturday showed there is a there is a lot of positivity to work with, and as I sort of referred to in last week's podcast, I think I think it was a sign as well, and I hope it's been heeded that whilst this team can definitely be improved, not to do too much in terms of uh, fixing what isn't broken. Yeah, I think the I, I totally agree, Stuart. I think the I think the football person in Icarly, he must surely have done his his research on the. On the championship, and it, at the minute, Hull have, Hull have um, they've obviously had a, had a, had a good run, but I mean they are sort of five without without a win if you think about it. So they, you know they just need to to keep keep the squad together and just maybe add a add a couple to it. Obviously, you know keep Keen Lewis Potter. I mean he he um, showcased what he's all about to to the watching nation, didn't he? He was he, he was excellent. Just you know. I, Add a, add a little bit, be sensible, consolidate this season, which, let's be honest, that's what it was always going to be about for Hull, wasn't it? Just, just um, you know, ho- hopefully stay up. Something like mid-table would be great. Lower, lower mid-table, fine. You know, d- do that. Put a bit of a line in the sand and then they can, the, 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 they can sort of go again in the, in the summer and it can really... Hopefully, put his his mark on it. But you know, I think most observers in football would realise the the job that Grant McCann's done. He's he's got his head down. He's rolled with the punches. He's got a very tight and together unit there, and he's got some he's got some half decent players. So he just hope a little bit of sense. You know, when he does come in, um, there's no need for for a re, uh, you know revolution. More a bit a bit of e- evolution, bit of tweaking. And hopefully Hull will be fine. And I mean, you're looking at the games. I think they've got four out of the next five, haven't they, at home as well? Hmm. So that's that's something that, uh, that, that that gives them opportunities. Albeit they've got some tough ones against. You know, they've got Stoke and the likes of Stoke, Blackburn, and um, and Swansea. But uh, yeah, you just hope you can get the deal done over the line. Some sensible decision making, and um, you know, keep what what they've got and. Maybe add add a, add a couple, and hopefully Hull will be Hull will be okay because they've got a good a, a, a good bunch of players who are who are, th- who are together and think a lot about the manager. Yeah, I mean, I think that I think you make a really good point with that that run of home games as well because obviously we know there's lots of lots of Hull fans have been boycotting the place yeah. for quite some time. You know, with their unhappiness at the owner, you, f- you feel like there's going to be a bit of a release as soon as the takeover comes, yeah. attendances are going to jump, and more importantly, the enthusiasm at the game is at the games is going to jump. So I, I think, you know, if they can get this done quickly, I think that that can be a real bonus for them. Because, I mean, Leon's right, they, they, they've not won any of the last five. They've, they've drawn three and lost two, but it doesn't really seem to have affected their confidence too much because yeah. in all in most of those five games, they've been able to take something from it and say, oh, we've played well and had it not been for this, had it not been for that sort of thing. Mm-hmm. I mean, that could only take you so far. You know, you still have to get the points to stay in the division, mm-hmm. but it, it does feel like that at least the morale is, is good in the place and the belief that they have the foundation to kick on here. So, yeah, I think, um, I think, I think there are, there are more positive times around the corner 
as soon as this takeover get gets completed, they they just have to be careful, as as Leon says, uh, to go for evolution, not revolution. Yeah, yeah. And uh, next on our uh, on our list uh, for this week is uh, Middlesbrough, who benefited from the no replay rule with an extra time winner against a stubborn Mansfield Town. Uh, after going two 0 up uh, with the, uh, within the first quarter of an hour. Uh, the Stags got back into the game with two second-half goals uh, before conceding a 95th-minute own goal. Uh, Borough will now face Manchester United in an away tie in the fourth round. Uh, it looked a tough game against an informed team, but will Chris Wilder just be pleased to have got through, Leon? Absolutely. I, mean, I, um, I, I know before in his pre-match press comments, I think he, he joked that he'd, he'd written his side out about 10 or 12 times. Um because they were just, un, you know, unsure who would, who would sort of be available to start, who wouldn't be, and you know, he had to be obviously careful as well. There were obviously the Sheffield United game, which was called off on New Year's Day, you know, um, a COVID a raft of COVID absences totally decimated Borough before that game. They had a few players coming um, coming back. Um, you know, into training who were available after that game, but at the start of um, of last week as well, they got a few additional um, players who tested positive, so they weren't involved. They had to be careful with with those who were coming back. You know, a lot of them couldn't weren't in, weren't in the the right physical shape to to, to make a start. So, you know, getting getting some sort of cohesive um, lineup first of all would have been a, a challenge. And, and Mansfield have been going well, haven't they? Really well under. Under Nigel Clough, who's who's he's he, he sort of seasoned uh, campaigner at getting uh, turning over higher ranking sides in cup competition as well. We we know all that from Sheffield United, his time there. So it was always going to be a bit of a problematic game. Even to be fair to Wilder, he stressed that even if he'd had a, a pretty much a full strength side, it would have been a a challenge. So yeah, they got, they got over the line in the end. Obviously, Mansfield pinned them back scored the winner at the end and it, it does add to that sort of talks about feel good facts with Huddersfield you know two away games in a row now where the Borough have won right at the death in front of their away supporters so that's got to got to add to the to the good vibe I think that was it won five out of six now and they've got a they've got a a, a nice draw haven't they I mean it, they've got plenty of history with Man United in cup competitions I remember the I think it was the 92 uh, League Cup um, two-legged semi-finals and that went to extra time it was Ryan Giggs off the top of my head he got the the winner at Old Trafford Borough knocked them out on penalties the last time they played in in um, in a cup competition as as well at Old Trafford and you know some famous battles in the 70s as well so it's a, it's a good one for, uh, for Middles we talk about Huddersfield as well you know how a, a good cup run can you know continue continue sort of that um, feel-good vibe that's uh, circulating around the club. And, yeah, it's it's a, a, probably similar for Middlesbrough. And, obviously, Chris Wilder won it. I think he won it Old Trafford last season, didn't he? But there were no fans there. So, at least he'll... Whatever happens... I mean, obviously, Man United will still be the favourites. Big favourites. But, you know, it'll be a, a close to full house at, at Old Trafford. And, you know, the sort of occasions that Wilder will, will be wanting for Middlesbrough to see... A lot, a lot more of, but uh, yeah, it was. It was one of those just get a win by hook or by crook, given the disruption. 
that they had in the early part of the new year for for Borough, and obviously now they've got a bit of league league business to look back on, uh, get back to before before a cracking cup tie at the start of February. Hmm. Yeah, I mean, I, I saw I saw Harrogate at, at, at Harrogate at Mansfield in in September when Mansfield were in terrible form. Uh, yeah. But they've they've been in a, on a great run going into this Middlesbrough game, so it really did have the have the makings for a difficult game. You know, even for a Middlesbrough team in form because of because of all yeah. those COVID issues and what have you. And uh, yeah, they're they're just another team just just looking forward to the next game. I mean, uh, they'll they'll really be looking forward to that Old Trafford game. Leon and I were both watching. Uh, Manchester United on the telly on Monday night, thinking oh, Middlesbrough could could really cause this team problems. You know, I, I think I think the only, yeah, I mean the only the only uh, thing about that tie is um, they were due to be playing Fulham that that day. I don't know if it's a good or a bad thing that they've uh, they've avoided yeah. uh, Fulham or, or, or kicked it down the road because they probably fancy taking them on too at the moment. Uh, they're in they're in such a such a good run, but yeah, it's just. It's just another club with a with, with a, a feel good factor, and it's just about keeping it going. And you know, and the thing the thing for any club in that in that mood at the moment, obviously, you know, as we hopefully come out of this uh, spike of COVID postponements, there's a lot of games coming up, so there there is the real potential um, to guess on a roll, and and for, say for teams who are heading in the right direction, that's something to really look forward to right now. Mm. Absolutely. And uh, now we turn our attention to Sheffield United. Um, the Blades were well beaten away at Wolves and must now concentrate on getting back into playoff contention in the Championship. Uh, with games in hand over everyone above them and four very winnable games to come in January, um, Paul Heckingbottom must be hoping for a good run of results, wouldn't you say, Leon? Yeah, I mean, he's... He, he... Obviously, there was a bit of a bump in the road against against Wolves, but he, he'll just really want to get his get his teeth into the into the sort of the league one. Really, he's he's done he's done really well, hasn't he? And he, you know, nobody's suffered on the on the sort of COVID front through no fault of their own than than Sheffield United. I mean, it's um, you know you know they, they really did sort of stymie their 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 momentum really. But you know, you look at the the, the sort of Games coming up, there's the, the, the big sort of a test, I suppose. Really, the next four or the next five are away from home, aren't they? They've got, they've got to go to Derby. They've got to, and, and to be fair, Derby, they've really, um, you know, their, their sort of spirit um, and heart as sort of belies where they are in the table. So that'll be a test. They've got to go to Preston, home game with with Luton, and then I think they're due to back to back games to uh, against. Peterborough and Birmingham, so we'll know a little bit more about them about them after after that. But I wouldn't I wouldn't sort of read too much into the into the Wolves game. I mean, it was it was one of those. I mean, it was the first first game since the twentieth of of December, wasn't it? And you know, one or two kids um, got an opportunity. Young Gordon started, didn't he? Um, so I wouldn't, you know, it's it, then Wolves. Wolves are one of those sides we talk about. You know, having a good run, a good run in the cup could sit well with them because they're doing well with the with the league. And, and you know, I think Wolves are one of those who'll fancy themselves, won't they? If one or two of the big the big boys uh, get knocked out or draw each other, so uh, it's a sticky tie. But um, I wouldn't read too much into that. It's it's you know the, the big one. Let's see what the reaction is like against uh, Derby on on Saturday. Mm. 
Yeah, I, th- I think I think in some ways, really, it wasn't the worst worst game for them to have. I mean, you, you look at um, you look at Sheffield Wednesday, and when they played their first game after a, lo- a long layoff, they were playing a you know a League One game against Sunderland, you know, one of their promotion rivals, and got hammered five nil. From from yeah. Sheffield United's perspective, I mean, it's a, it's a horrible phrase that gets used a lot about the the FA Cup, but it, it was a bit of a free hit game for them. You know, if you if you if you're going to lose a game, and, and it was always going to be difficult. You know, playing only the second game since December the fourth, it was going to be difficult in terms of rustiness. It was going to be difficult in terms of the point Leon made about Middlesbrough. You know, you're never quite sure players coming back from COVID just how their how their body their bodies their lungs have reacted to it. Uh, and by all accounts, um, it was a, it was a better performance than the three nil scoreline suggested. Anyway, but. Yeah, if you were going to have a game to get back into the swing of things, better to have a cup yeah. game, really. And and Leon's absolutely right. I mean, this this run coming up is really going to shape things because you you feel if 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 these games had come, you know, when Sheffield United were supposed to be playing in December, you'd be really confident about them because of because of the momentum they they're under. It's just going to be interesting to see how quickly they can they can pick that up and get back to it. But certainly, if they if they show the form they've shown in their last league games, that it's 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 that hard to remember back all that way for Sheffield United yeah, fans. Yeah. But if they, if they can if they can sort of pick up where they left off, you'd you'd really be looking forward to those games. But, but it is just a bit of an if we're we're all waiting yeah. to see really how they come out of this. Mm. You, you feel sorry for them, Stuart, really, in terms of do, obviously yeah. the the. The, the COVID situation at other clubs through no fault of their own and you know I think the last home game was it was towards the end of, of November wasn't it and I think the next one is I think it's the 22nd of January so you, you're not you're sort of looking it's almost two months without you know, between home games mm-hmm. and you know they've obviously had the, had the cup draw away from home and they've got the we mentioned um, just mentioned about the you know the forthcoming League games four out of five away from home, so yeah, it's gonna it's gonna sort of test them, isn't it? And you know, you look at that Wolves; it was a strong Wolves side that they played as well. So if they if they can get through this little little bit of a um, little bit of a pit here and, and get back on the horse in terms of you know the, the, the playing style and energy, which they um, which were really encouraging, weren't they? In the in the first few weeks of of Bottom's reign, some good front foot foot front foot football. You know, it was sort of harkening back a little bit to um to the bit of a, a bit of the Chris Wilder style. You know, fans were jumping on board. You know, if they can just get a couple of wins in these next um, you know uh, four or five games, then they'll um, they'll have got the momentum back. Yeah, yeah. I mean, I mean, look, look always plays a part. Let's let's not pretend yeah. otherwise. But this season, particularly, I think we're going to be looking back and saying. Oh, that team got lucky with the, with those games being postponed where they were. Yeah. That team was unlucky. I be guess from Sheffield United's perspective, it will be fine margins. They've just got to do everything they can to take their luck out of the equation and, and look after their own job. Yeah, yeah. And uh, now we turn our attention to Doncaster, who, uh, who find themselves at the foot of the table and nine points from safety after a disappointing 1-0 defeat in a relegation battle against Fleetwood. Uh, and after the initial optimism following Gary McSheffrey's uh, appointment, things seem to have returned to a familiar and yet, and depressing situation. Um, Leon, are there any chinks of light for the Donny Faithful at the moment? Um, very, very slender ones. I'd probably probably say, Mark. Um, 
Yeah, I mean, you just look at how the start of the season, I think there were, what was it, nine or ten games in all competitions before they got the first win. You know, if, if there was sort of any serious semblance of a of a comeback, you think it would be it would be now really, but I think they've lost. Is it something like nine? Um, something like eight of the last nine, isn't it? And you know, you look you look at the the last three def- three defeats. They got beat. Um, <clears throat> excuse me, they got beat to Sunderland just after after Christmas. I know I know Stuart did did that game, and by all accounts, it was men against boys. Um, you know, vast yeah. chasm in terms of. You know, aptitude and ex- experience at, at this level, and then obviously they the, had a terrible. Let's be honest, a terrible 2021. They go to Morecambe, you know, start of a new 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 year. To get me get me words right there. New year, new hope. The three 0 up, and then you know, three 0 up at half time and lose four three, and that, you know, psychologically huge huge blow. And then to top it all, you know, they have the other side. In Fleetwood, a side will be trying to aim to catch. They're going to sort of pull out away, pull away from it, and lose out tamely one nil. And you know the manager's already Gary McSheffrey's. You know he's a he's an articulate, interesting guy, and you know let's hope he can it can somehow galvanise Doncaster over time. But you know already he's he's been in the building long enough to to speak about you know lack of confidence, um, self belief, and. You know, players sort of shirking responsibility. They've got an injury. Um, they've had basically problems with injuries all season, haven't they? And I just think there's too much. We mentioned it before. Too much. They've taken too much punishment. There's too much going that has gone against them. And um, obviously, there's there's talk about them bringing in players this month. Um, the chief executive Gavin Baldwin's spoken about having deals in principle, but I think like. Um, I don't know what Stuart thinks, but like Barnsley as well, they've, they've, I think they've got to be pragmatic and look towards next season. Ultimately, I mean, if you know, obviously nobody wants to to um, throw it throw in the towel at this juncture, but you, you've got, they've got to be prepared for the fact that there's a a very big chance that the club are going to go go down this season. They need to they need to sort it sort it out and get some sort of foundation for, for next season and, and looking at Doncaster it, they've got a lot of players out of contract they need a spine and they need some some leaders and experience in there um, to help um, take them forward Yeah I mean you, we, we were saying about Doncaster at the back end of last season that how how you finish one season can impact yeah. on how you start the next and obviously they are a case in point absolutely horrendous you know, 2021 for them. And if, you, if you're a Doncaster fan, then, then cover your ears now because if you look at the games coming up, yeah, Wigan at yeah. home, Cambridge United away, you know, hopefully they'll be distracted by the Cups, but they're on the crest of a wave. MK Dons away, Plymouth at home, Rotherham at home, Sunderland away, yeah. Ipswich at home, Portsmouth away, yeah. Lincoln are struggling away from home, and then, yeah. Sheffield, Wen- and then Sheffield Wednesday at home. That's a really difficult run mm-hmm. for a team looking for confidence. Um, yeah, yeah. You, you did, like Barnes, like like Barnsley, like Leon says, they've just got to grasp what they can where they can. Hopefully, a couple of young players can come in and have a couple of cameos, but hopefully, also yeah. they're Somewhere. not they're not left to it on their own, you know, and they they get a bit of help in January because it is badly needed. Yeah, yeah. I mean, it's almost as if I mean, I sort of touched on it with Barnsley, Stuart. They, they could do with some, you know bringing in some young players to give them experience at this level, but they need they need those senior. 
you know proper senior players as well one or two of those to help bring them on don't they as well so it's 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 not straightforward but yeah I think it, you know in the corridors of power at, at Doncaster they'll, they'll obviously like I've said they'll, they won't admit defeat yet but there's got to be some realism there and uh, you know it's they've certainly got to have one eye on on next season now for me and and ultimately getting that right and getting a lot of things right you know in terms of the of the recruitment if they're going to have a if they do go go down as looks as looks likely at the minute to have a have an impact you know next next season and uh, next we turn our attention to Rotherham United um the millers were extremely lucky to lo- uh, sorry uh, extremely unlucky <laughs> to lose on penalties away at QPR after giving as much as they got against the championship side. Um, but in spite of the disappointment, will Paul Warren be reasonably pleased, not only in the performance, but also the fact that they can now concentrate on the league, Leon? Well, ultimately, Mark, they're actually still on two fronts, aren't they? They're in the, they're in the EFL um, trophy. It's, it's a competition that, that Rotherham have... Have done well in there. I remember they famously won it in the in the mid nineties. Um, Nigel Jemson double. I'm showing my age now against Shrewsbury. I think. It was, yeah. So uh, they're um, yeah, but uh, you, uh, as you rightly say, Mark, the major priority is is the league, and, the, and they're doing great guns, aren't they? They've lost once, um, once since uh, mid mid September, um, and a little a little bit of a I suppose a little bit of a psychological one this weekend. The team who who beat them on that day in September at home, Fleetwood? They've got them. Um, all of them have got them on Saturday on the on the west coast. Big big following of Rotherham fans there, as you'd expect. You know, um, one thousand plus going over. But yeah, I mean, in terms of the of the QPR game, I went. I was on Paul Paul Warren's presser beforehand, and it made so it made sense what he said. I mean, obviously you you want to you want to get through and you want your team to win. But he was very interested in seeing how his how his side did fare on a individual level in terms of one on one contest battles with with championship players and a good you know a good QPR QPR side who were who were going pretty well this season and you know Rotherham locked locked horns with them took them 120 minutes and by all accounts they were you know obviously it went down to the penalty uh, shootout and it does. It does become a bit of a lottery then, but you know, pound for pound, player for player, there wasn't too much between them on on the afternoon. And even though Rodham got knocked out, you know, Warren will have, you know, he he'll have seen, you know, a lot of his players standing tall and and doing well against against good Championship opposition. And obviously, a lot of the Rotherham the Rotherham are wanting to get back to that level next season, wanting to gauge themselves. So I don't think he'll be. I don't think he'll be, you know, uh, too unhappy in 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 that regard. And you know, they're into the latter stages of the EFL Trophy, but you know, the major business is is on the league, isn't it? And they had a nice little um, bonus, if you like, with with Sunderland losing at at home to to Lincoln. But you know, factoring as well, Lincoln are an able side, and Rodman have got them um, next week as well. But yeah, I mean they've got three of the next four at home as well. Um, so yeah, it's uh, a little bit disappointing, but not. It's got to be tempered at, at Rotherham. They're going absolutely great guns, aren't they? The only disappointing thing is is the transfer request from from Freddie Ladapo. But by all accounts, there's 
there's not been any any interest in him so far. Hmm. Yeah, I, th- I think um, one of the things Paul Warren said in that in that press conference, um, Leon was on with it, it said it was nice to spend a weekend not having to look at other results, but actually yeah. the results work really well for them. You know, Sunderland have dropped yeah. five points in a week. That's a great bonus for Rotherham. You know. It, um, Wigan won their FA Cup tie. Well, that's another fixture for them. They're going to have the sort of finish to this season that Rotherham had to last because, uh, I mean, they've got five games in hand on Wickham at the moment. Wigan have. Um, yeah. So that, that that's, you know, handicapped them slightly. Um, just, again, like we like we said about Huddersfield, because the mood about, about Rotherham is so good, you can just see positives everywhere. You know, Angus McDonald coming back, uh, back from injury um, is a real help just just bolsters the numbers that little bit more as leon says the, the one the one thing on the horizon is ladapo if they if they if they get a late bid for him they'll have to they'll have to have a good plan b in place that can that can move quickly but but that apart um i think you know even going out of the fa cup i think it i think it's been a really really good week for rotherham in you know just a, a spell of, of continuous really good weeks and uh yeah, n- nothing, nothing to be too downbeat about at all in, in going out of the FA Cup in their case. Mm. I, I think just just briefly on Rotherham, I think the I think the main thing for them will be. I mean, they're going to get the odd defeat. Let's let's be honest. You know, it yeah. will happen. But it's 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 avoiding back to back defeats yeah. in the league. They've not managed that. Um, well, they managed to avoid that this season, and and Paul Warner's is very big on that. You know, he's. Sensible enough to know that in three game weeks you're not going to win three out of three all the time, but it, you know, but it's just minimising that those defeats, not having back to back losses, and then that that can turn into a, a you know a, a no win in five situations, something like that. Mm-hmm. He's always been very big on that. Rotherham have been very consistent in avoiding that, and um, if they carry on as they are, that that might just be you know very big in the final analysis. Yeah, and I think it's not just about Paul Warner and his players as well. I think I think the fans have got to play a, a yeah. part in that in terms of not not panicking too much when the defeats come along. And, and you know, I think yeah. it's a very, I think it's quite a sensible fan base at Rotherham. They've obviously seen a lot of highs and lows in, in the last couple of seasons. I, I think I think they've probably got things in perspective and 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 won't sort of create the sorts of panic that you can get at no. some other clubs when they do lose a couple of games. So that that's in their favour as well, I think. And, and the experience as well in the, in the dressing room, haven't they? Yeah, mm. absolutely. Mm. And uh, now we turn to League Two. Um, and although the 4-0 scoreline seemed to reflect the uh, the 43-place gap between the teams, Harrogate Town's first appearance in the third round of the FA Cup um, was far from a thrashing. And Simon Weaver and the passionate travelling fans uh, won't have been too disappointed w- with the day's work away at Luton. Um, five points away from the playoffs. Are Harrogate going to be able to make a challenge, Stuart? Well, I think they've had a bit of a reset since since that game, and it's going to be interesting to see where they go from here. So, I mean, it, it, it was the second second game this season, really. Sheffield Wednesday being the other one, where they played a higher division team in the Cup, mm-hmm. played reasonably well in, in Simon Weaver's view and still conceded four goals and, and you know the defensive side has has been the, the concern that he's been banging on about for weeks and weeks now well he, he, he's acted on that you know Connor Hall's gone to Port Vale and Leon Legg's come the other way and, and Legg's a, you know a, a, a former Port Vale captain uh, he's 36 year old he's he, he, 
he's got all the makings of a, of a real proper centre half. You know, six foot four wins it. You know, wins everything in the air. That sort of thing. So clearly, clearly, there's been a sort of a, a, a slight change in how Harrogate are going to approach things, things defensively, and hopefully that can that and the return from injury from of Rory McArdle can can just set them right now. But it, it, it's almost like. It's almost like this is a new phase of the season now, and 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 Luton's Luton's a, a different yeah. phase sort of thing. It, it's um, it, it's how they move on from here, and whether there'll be any more any more signings to come. But um, yeah, I, I think this is. I hope anyway. This is a sort of a, a line in the sand for them defensively, and they can uh, they can start to kick on from here. Hmm. I think they'll just just quickly they'll be hoping that. Jack Diamond comes back as well, won't they, Stuart? Yeah. I mean, he was a, a big player. He's obviously gone. Gone back briefly for for Sunderland because they've got one or two um, issues with availability. But the, uh, the, the you know the talk was was him was of him coming back to to Harrogate when you know when, when it clears up um, things clear up on Weir's side and he's been a big player for Harrogate. So let's hope he comes back sooner rather than later. Hmm. Yeah, fingers crossed on that one. Yeah. Yeah. And uh, finally for this week, uh, Bradford City continued to slide out of playoff contention after a 2-0 loss away at Carlisle. Uh, in spite of having two Christmas fixtures postponed, Derek Adams must be concerned about the lack of results. Do you think that their newest addition, Jamie Walker, could help improve their fortunes, Leon? Yeah, you'd, you'd like to. You'd like to think so, wouldn't you? I mean, it was. Yeah, I mean, it was so disappointing at the weekend. There was a you know a big following of. Bradford fans went up to went up to Carlisle. They were they were obviously buoyed, you know, in, in the uh, obviously the other end of the county that that got that um, precious um, first win. I think it was was it since league win since the, towards the end of October when they played Barrow, and it's just just so flat, isn't it? And um, you know, sod blow as well that two X um, Bradford players would would both score for for Car- for Carlisle. So, I mean, it does. You know the fans made no bones about how they, how they felt afterwards. It was a lot of damning choruses of you know you're not fit to to wear the shirt and um, yeah um, it's been so disappointing, hasn't it? I mean I, I sort of look at I, I look at Bradford and I'm, I'm sure that you know Derek Adams you know will be fine. The club have put a hell of a lot of faith in him. They've they've allowed him to bring in his own. He's um, you know sort of. Um, build the recruitment team in in his own image. They've got you know got the scouts in Scotland and, and Ireland, and you know he's, he's building the club from the from from the bottom up. And you just hope that some of these uh, some of these buys can energize, energize Bradford. They've obviously brought in Walker from Hearts, and he's got a decent CV, and he, he follows Pereira in from from Luton and he'll, and he'll add another creative aspect in the final third they just look to me like you know that they need another another striker as well obviously Andy Cook came off with a dead leg didn't he which um, Bradford could have done without at Carlisle they, they just do look light of another um, steady goal scoring option at the minute it's, it's it just has, has been disappointing isn't it I mean the you know the six points away from the from the playoffs, and but I think they're the same distance away from uh, from the bottom four. So you know that that sort of statistic is enough to make fans a little bit twitchy. But you know I'm sure there's one or two plans in place to bring 
you know one or two more players in in this month, and let's just hope it can it can energise um, Bradford Bradford somehow, and they can get some sort of consist, consistency because if they are gonna, gonna get into this sort of playoff mix, you know the, the the clock's starting to tick. They're gonna have to you know over the next month month or so, they're gonna have to show a bit more a bit more consistency and start winning a few more few more games. That's for sure. Yeah, I think I think I think this is a big test of, for Derek Adams now. I mean, he's had a lot of injuries to contend with this season, but he, he certainly can't complain with the the backing he's had from the club in in the no. transfer market. Not just in terms of funds, but as Leon said, in terms of the sort of control he's got. Um, so this is going to be a Derek Adams squad, you know, that attacks the second half of the season. I think he's got to up his own game in certain areas, perhaps you know, be a bit more. Bit more positive in, in in some games. He's got to he's got to get more out of these players, frankly, because you know it seems some of them, for whatever reason, aren't aren't performing to their best. That that's his department. Um, so it, it, it's kind of all on him now. But you know, as we've been saying consistently on this podcast about Marcelo Bielsa at Leeds, this is a this is a manager with a with a track record. You've appointed him for a reason. They've got to st- stand by him. I say, which they certainly are doing at the moment. Certainly, the board stick with him and let it, let him see what he can do. And, and it's over to him now. But they've, you know, they've got they've got a lot of making up to do uh, this season in terms of league position. Not so much in terms of points. Um, you know, it's yeah. it's it's just it's just for them now to show what what they're capable of, really. And uh, and certainly um, they're capable of more than they showed at Carlisle United. Yeah. Yeah, it's just been unfortunate. I mean, they've shown that odd sort of aberration, Stuart, haven't they? You know, they, they lost at mm. uh, lost at Carlisle. I remember they got turned over at home by Hartlepool earlier in the season. But you sort of look at some of the performances as well. I mean, they they drew against Forest Green. They were they were pretty good at, at Port Vale. I covered that game against you know a, a high flying side at that level. Got a draw in that in that uh, in that game. Exeter as Exeter as well. So they have shown. Periodically, that they can can sort of stand up against against the better sides in the division. They uh, they obviously beat uh, it Swindon as well, but it's just it is just getting that that sort of con- um, consistency. And um, yeah, I mean, as as, as you rightly say, Stuart, he can't Adams can't sort of um, argue in terms of the, of the backing he's got. You know, the club are are all all behind him. And um, you know, let's just hope in the final third of the, of the season. I mean, we spoke about about last week. You know, when Bradford got to the League Cup final and and um, also got to the playoffs in I think it was two thousand and um, about a decade a decade ago, two thousand twelve thirteen. They they had that late push and surge into the, into the playoffs. So there is that that potential. Hopefully, plenty of games to go, but they're they're going to have to need to up the game for sure. Yeah, I mean, I mean, being a good cup team and being a good league team are two two different things, and that's why the league's the big test. It, it's it's one thing producing performances in matches you're not expected to win. These Bradford players have to show they've got the character to win the games that they should be winning, because that's ultimately what's going to decide if they if they go up or not. And and yeah. I say I, I mentioned Derek Adams. It's it's obviously not just about Derek Adams. I say no. some of these players are not showing what they're capable of as well. It, it's got to be a real collective effort to just to just start achieving their potential. Because we know if Bradford City do achieve their potential, they won't be in League Two much longer. But that is a that is a big if, and you know recent yeah. history show shows it. It's not easy to do. 
No, it's the mentality, isn't it, Stuart? As well, we spoke. We spoke about Chef Wednesday players in in League League One. You know, it's almost like they've got an, a, an additional hurdle. You know, loads a lot of probably Sunderland as well. A lot of the teams, the rivals, they want they they're really going to want to turn them over. It was it was the same when Leeds were in that in in that division as well, and it's probably similar for Bradford, albeit a division division down. Every game for the opposition is a, is a big game against. Against Bradford, whether you you come into it into form or not, you know it it can it can sort of can it can sort of rise you and lift you. There's always a good bank of away supporters following Bradford, or if they're off to playing at playing in Bradford, you know the surroundings of a, of a of a Championship stadium really. So it's having that sort of you know mentality and and character to and winning a mentality to cope with the, cope with that and, and get the results and that's been the issue for Bradford for not not just this season it's it's been for a few seasons hasn't it definitely hmm. yeah say and and we've seen lots of good managers try and get it right uh, yeah. say that they've just got to stick with this one and and, and hope that he, yeah. hope that he can uh, find the right solution yorkshirepost.co.uk Many thanks to Stuart Rayner and Leon Wobtrell, who will doubtless join us again soon for more discussions on the Yorkshire football scene. But don't forget, you can keep up to date with all the football news across Yorkshire and beyond by logging onto our website at www.yorkshirepost.co.uk forward slash sport. Or if you search for Yorkshire Post Sport, Yorkshire Post Football or even Sheffield Sport on Facebook, you can find us there as well. If you have any questions for our writers, you can get in touch using those various Twitter or Facebook pages or email us directly with the subject matter as footballtalkpodcast at yp.sport at jpimedia.co.uk. As ever, many thanks for listening, look after yourselves and bye for now.